Welcome to episode three of Bottoms on Top. I'm John. I'm Andreas. And we're happy to have you. So Andreas, over the summer, I put out a call for my Twitter followers to help me out to think of a new phrase for Eskimo sisters being a term that describes when you and someone else have hooked up with the same person um, because I need it to be a little less racist. Wait, can you explain why Eskimo sisters is like bad? Um, I'm not an expert, but basically, like, Eskimo is just not a phrase that Native Alaskans use to describe themselves, and so it should not be a phrase that, like, we use to describe themselves. I think it has some historical baggage. I see. And also, like, there's just no need to, like, bring indigenous people into a phrase like this, you know? True. So anyways, I put it out, and I got a lot of good responses, but the one I went with that I am deciding is the new go-to term is come cousins <laughs> um courtesy of my friend kaylee from home um and i think this is relevant because as you and i know we are come cousins we are come cousins oh. from at long least... lost family <laughs> <laughs> For, twice removed um <laughs> from at least one point of contact there might be more that we haven't discovered yet there might be i feel like if you don't leave college with a few come cousins I feel like it's almost impossible, first of all. Yeah. Like, especially, like, being gays. Like, there's not a lot. No. Well, there are, I mean, there are, but, like, you know, it's like a smaller pool. There are fewer of us. Yeah. And I think we're allowed to say that statistically we're having more sex, right? Sure. Let's say it. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like it. Whatever. Um, and I think they come out over time. Like, Ian, last year... Like, by the end of last semester, we went from not realizing we were cum cousins to realizing we were, like, cum cousins at least three times over. <laughs> so. So maybe there are more. But we have one particular cum cousin. One glue. One cum cousin. One glue. What do you call that? Like, cum parent? Like. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I kind of don't like cum and parent in no, the same term at all. Yeah, it's a little too familial. Hold my hand. This is so intimate. Cum cousin. Are you going to IVQ this year? I think I want to. I love IVQ. Do I? <laughs> <laughs> I went last year for the first time, mm-hmm. and it was like, there was such good programming, but no one went to the programming. I see. Like, I was, like, there at, like, 10 a.m., like, ready for the workshops, mm-hmm. and everyone else was, like, still in bed hungover. Oh. And it's like, yeah, you're kind of there to catch dick, but also, like... Learn. I'm kind of there to Just, learn. Yeah, like, enjoy the programming you guys have and stuff. It's good. Which school is it at? I don't know. Maybe, like, Yale or something. Nice. That's, like, cute. Yeah. New Haven's cute and, like, weird. Oh, my God. So, okay, I started a new uh, work study yesterday at WXPN. Oh, yeah. And I, like, had no clue, like, <laughs> what I was, like, going to be doing or whatever. And then I get there. And, okay, so are you a Vampire Weekend fan? No. I was a huge Vampire Weekend fan in high school, and one of the members, Rostam, was gay. And, like, in high school, that was, like, very important to me. Like, all my friends had, like, crushes on the lead singer, and it was, like, very cool to be like, well, I have a crush on Rostam, and, like, he's gay, and, like, I I can have a real crush on him, a a real celebrity (laughs) crush. Um, But so I get to my first day of my new work study yesterday, and they're like, oh, yeah, so, like, um, Rostam's going to be performing. And I was like, what? Here? Today? And they're like, yeah, like, you're going to be, like, helping set up and, like, you can watch the show if you want. And so I saw him and I was, like, crying because he has a solo career now. 
Oh, really? It's so cool. But it was, like, so good. And, like, I don't know, just, like, hearing his, like, romantic songs and thinking, like, he's thinking about, like, a man. Yeah. You know? That's so. That's always so Like, nice. we don't get that that much. We really don't. And when we do, it's, like, always in, like, a certain type of way. What's going on in Australia? What is? They're having a referendum on same-sex marriage. They are? Yes. And... Cut out my, my like, my ignorance. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think a lot of people know this, but um, I mainly know because my queen, Bindi Irwin, tweeted a picture of her holding her ballot when she had marked yes, which is like, yes, same-sex couples should be allowed to marry. Amazing. And posted it on Facebook, or on... Well, she probably posted it across social media. But if Bindi Irwin says, let the gays marry, let the gays let marry. The, let the gays marry, please. No, that's amazing. Bindi Irwin is my queen, though. I don't know why, but, like, I really am obsessed. I have, whenever I see her on a magazine cover, I buy it. That's really? the only circumstances under which I'll buy a magazine from, like, a grocery store checkout. But I have all of them, like, in my room. I love it. Magazines um, are expensive. Yeah, well, sometimes it's worth it. And Bidney Irwin's on there. Yeah, she's also my cover photo. Can you engage? I'm, like, looking up Bindi Irwin. Like, I, like, <laughs> forgot who she is. Like, Oh, my God. Like, Steve Irwin's daughter. Yeah, I'm just, like, okay. Oh, wait. Then I did see that tweet. Sorry. It was everywhere. She I was, just... like, holding, like, a gay flag, wasn't she? Yeah, she was. And, like, everyone was, like, um, Steve would be proud of you. <laughs> yes. To, like... Honestly, so that, like, stingray that killed Steve Irwin was homophobic. I'll say it. True. Agreed. So today, uh, we are... Bringing Nick Joyner back um, and giving him this space, this five-minute space. Which he deserves. He proved himself worthy, I'd say. Um, And then a little bit later, we're going to be talking about kind of the relationship between some gay men and femininity and how that affects their relationships with other gay men and the community. We're back for what is officially being dubbed Nick's Silly Faggot Corner. Yes, I'm happy that name was chosen. Hello, welcome to my corner. Take it away. (laughs) So um, today I'm going to be moderating a debate discussion um, (laughs) about those things that you did when you were younger that were definitely gay, but you didn't know they were gay. And now looking back, you're like, yeah, I was gay when I was seven. And maybe also can be construed as like, Warning signs, like when your parents were like, oh, like, my son is a homo. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I've, I've gathered a list of some of mine from personal experience, and then we can kind of talk about what y'all did. So some things I had was, um, I think I was in fourth, fifth grade. Um, I was a big American Idol fan. Um, and I, I loved Carrie Underwood, and I called in ten times every yes. episode <laughs> to make sure she won. And, yeah. Oh, yeah, some other ones. I think another is, like, queer relationships with TV. So, like, I thought Danny Phantom was a whole snack. Mm. And, like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, there's no getting around that there's one. Like, exactly. there's, like, that's when you knew. Another one I have is um, the playground ethics of, like, elementary school. So, like, did you hang out with the girls or the guys? Like, did you, there's, like, this, I saw this, like, tweet where it was, like, 
there was an unbreakable bond between the gay men and the women who didn't want to run the mile. And I, like, really, I feel that. I feel that. So I was always walking the track, never playing basketball and never playing football, walking the track with my skinny jeans under my sweatpants because wow. I didn't want to get dressed. Mm-hmm. She did that. I don't know. <laughs> she was lazy. <laughs> she was lazy. Um, I also, what do we think about, what were some, like, early music purchases y'all had? Like, some that you're looking back and you're like, because, like, I bought the Powerpuff Girls CD <laughs> right after I saw the movie, and that was, like, early elementary school. So, like, that was, like, ingrained, reflexive. They're like, Nick is gay. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when I was, like, 10, I had, do you remember the, like, hit clip? It yeah. was like, okay, so it was like a little, it had like little cartridges and you would put them in and it would play about like a 30 second snippet from like a really popular song and you could collect like the cassettes and you would put in your little clip and it like went on your keychain. It was really cool or whatever. Um, my first one was Sync and Destiny's Child Pack. So wow. I think that was really That's gay. That's very Italian. Yeah. Do you remember those things where it was like a video now or whatever? It was like that little oh, yeah. like thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all I had on that was Zoe 101. So like <laughs> that tells you. It's a good show. I think the Pokemon you pick when you start is telling. <sighs> yes. If and you pick the grass type, you were gay as fuck. Really? I would have said the Basically. water type. Because like if you pick Squirtle, like that's fucking gay. Like Squirtle that's really gay. Too, Squirtle yeah. uses <laughs> literally Squirtle's only move was bubbles. Like, come on now. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really play Pokemon until more middle school, but when I was young, um, just based on my brother's involvement with Pokemon, I knew my favorite was Ponita, which is, like, really, really gay. Yeah. It's, like, a f- literal, like, pony on fire. Yeah, and there's, there's like, another Pokemon. It's, it's a little underground. It's called Melodic. Do you remember that? I don't. It Who literally is, is just a serpent with, like, really laid hair. Oh, like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it, like, evolves from, like, a little, like, mud bath. And I was like, that was literally the queer glow up. And like, another video game I want to talk about is Super Smash Bros. And I think the characters you choose say a lot about your sexual orientation and also your sexual preferences. <laughs> um, so there's that thing about like, I saw something that was like, tops were always playing with like Donkey Kong and the bottoms were always using Mrs. Peach. <laughs> Princess Peach. Princess, Princess, Princess Peach. Peach is my favorite character. In mm. Smash Brothers and Kirby. She could do the little, yeah. If you're using the Kirby and you're like sucking in people to like take <laughs> on their power, like, <laughs> like warning sign. Also, like Samus, with you did this little like choo with Samus and you turned into a woman. And that was, <laughs> that literally was like definitive for my like relationship with queerness. The fact that I could be like a little like space warrior and then just be like, a, I don't even know, yeah, just a sexy woman. Um, what else do I have on my list? Another thing that I really, really did with my mom, and I think it was very influential, was that before every awards show ceremony, um, I would watch Ryan Seacrest with the best dress on the red carpet and like do the 360 beauty cam and then just not even watch the awards ceremony. <laughs> and then, yeah. I have some moments. You have some moments? I'd love um, to you. So for kindergarten, I had half-day kindergarten. So I'd go in the morning and then I'd just like be at home with my mom for the afternoons and we often went to the video store and I there was this weird Disney like series where it was like tea time with the princesses and it would be like live action people dressed as the various Disney princesses. They each had their own and it would just be a group of like little girls having tea with the princess and they'd sing songs and like play games and I loved it. Like I would rent them multiple times each um, and like watch it 
during the afternoon. And I don't know if this was a rule from my mom or just something that I decided, but it was very clear that, like, this was a me and mom thing and, like, dad didn't need to know <laughs> that this is what we were getting at Giant Eagle Video. And that's really a thing. The things you did with your mother that she didn't tell your dad about? Yeah. Mm. To be clear, my dad is very supportive and great. Oh, but must be nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Oh, you have, like, a fucked up relationship with your dad. That's, like, sucks. Sorry. I do listen to Lana Del Rey on occasion. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, Andreas, do you have any? Do you have any moments yeah, to share? Yeah, I think I definitely do. I think, like, so, like, in sixth and fifth grade, I had this girlfriend. <gasps> we were, like, in love, clearly. <laughs> but we broke Not up Not a gold star game. We broke up because I didn't want to kiss her. Oh. Recess. I like so he is a gold star gay. I was like, I was like, yeah, I really don't feel like kissing you. So we broke up sixth grade. Wow, I I did have a girlfriend in seventh grade. We would sit outside at the seventh graders only lunch tables and hold hands under the table, but that was it because she um she was always inviting me on dates and I didn't want to go on dates with her. So she was like, we're done. You see, because I was scared of her. Mm-hmm. You know. Wow, mm-hmm. Nick, you were a little late. Um, but I'm going to forgive you because as we all know, it's hard to schedule things when you're gay because gays don't observe daylight savings. Mm -hmm. Um, so we're constantly converting the time between straight and gay time, kind of like the state of Arizona. Exactly. There's a queer temporality and especially when I can't see the sun, I don't know what time of day it is and I can't navigate by like using shadows. So there was really no way for me to get here because there's no moss on any of the trees around here. Right. So, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for my lateness. It's okay. Um, will you all be coming to my Gay Light Savings Time party? I will. When we when the straights fall back mm. um, and we celebrate our continued timeline. When we are G-A-Y, generations ahead of yesterday. Yes. And the straights fall back an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Helps us get ahead. Exactly. Well, anyways, you got here. It worked. We did it. It was accomplished. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Glad to be here. Oh, hi. Hello. Hi, Cody. Uh, hi, Cody. Hi. Thanks for having me back on the podcast. Thanks for coming back. So excited. For those who don't know, Cody was the beloved host of the segment Consenter No in season one. So we're so happy to have you back. We're here today because we did our last episode about, you know, the misogyny of gay men and some of the negative relationship between gay, cis gay men and women. And we wanted to right. explore another aspect of the relationship between gay men and women and womanhood and femininity more broadly. And what better sissy to have on than you, Cody? Yeah. Than me, the ultimate sissy. Exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I actually, like, this is a topic of conversation that I love to have because it's something, like, the relationship between, like, gay men and women is not something I have, I feel like I have personally solved. I don't think the world has solved it yet. I don't know if the world is ready to solve it yet, <laughs> but it's, a topic I love to think about um, and is, like, very important to me personally. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited to be here. Yes. And let's let's set the stage. Let's. Cody, you would identify as femme. Like, definitely. But I think for me, I mean, like, 
the femme identity, sometimes I use the word effeminate just because, like, I think that's the one that is, like, hurled a lot as at men as, like, an insult because I'm pretty sure. Now, if people are going to look this up in the dictionary, like, I'm sorry if I've, been, like, insulted your knowledge um, <laughs> by assuming things that are untrue. But, like, effeminate is used, like, solely for men kind of as, like, an insult. So I've kind of done the work of reclamation and I use that term a lot. Do you think there's still like a bit of a stigma attached to being more feminine or femme? Okay. So yeah, I feel like that stigma exists like both externally from like the heterosexual non-queer world and, um, and like both within the gay community, especially I think among gay men, Mm -hmm. um, because I think gay men is a safe, like, unfortunate, like, the sexual culture of gay men, I think, still, like, places masculinity on a pedestal, um, and I think gay men still face, like, I would argue that gay men do face, like, effeminate, femme, gay men, whatever you want to call them, like, they do face a lot of misogyny, both within the gay community and outside of it, just because, like, I mean, we are still, I think we are still a society very rooted in the gender binary and like, depending on what space you're in, I don't know, it, masculinity, like a man asking, acting effeminately will always be a little confusing (laughs) to, to anyone, no matter like how accepting you are, like people will always make assumptions. Do we want to now turn to the can of worms that is issues femme gays face within the gay community i mean anyone who has ever spent more than like two minutes on grinder which for most gay men like two minutes is a really low bar um <laughs> like like you can see how much like like there's so much like even some like coded there's like the explicit mask for mask on grinder but then there's like the coded like straight guy looking to experiment and i feel like when a guy is using the language of like heterosexuality or even bisexuality on a space exclusively for men to hook up with men like that language is meant to indicate like some sort of masculinity like or like i am an approximation of a straight guy like i'm the closest you'll ever get in case you can't tell, like, I have a gay voice, and I know it, and I love it, and, like, I think I embrace it, and I use it to, like, like, I use, like, flamboyance in speech, something I really like to play with, like, just for, like, comedic effect, um, and also, like, to express myself, but I feel like in, like, I'm always self-conscious about how my voice comes off to, like, other gay men, like gay men I'm interested in, gay men I'm meeting up with, like in, and when I say meeting up with, I don't mean it in like a casual, friendly way. <laughs> yeah, for, um, for our straight listeners. I mean it in, <laughs> you're right, like I mean in a grinder way. Um, like I'm always worried how that will come off. Now here is my crockpot theory, and like maybe don't even include this on the podcast unless it gets a good response from you all. But um, my theory is that like so many little gay boys just had crushes on straight men for so long, like growing up. Like, was there another gay boy I had a crush on until like the age of eighteen? No, because I didn't know any. And like, 
all I can say is like, I think, <laughs> I think gay men are stuck in like, are a little stuck in like having crushes on straight boys for like the first 18 years of their life and like never quite get over that. And they always have that need to like pursue those like masculine straight boys they had crushes on in grade school. Um, so they're not really read. looking at the femme one. Ooh, that's a read. I'm going to need to that's a take read. a break that's <laughs> a, after that one. That's a read. Um, I, yeah. <laughs> Listen, like, like, we are all prone to this. Like, I myself have had to do, like, a lot of work in undoing this. Like, I am attracted to, like, whatever physical markers of masculinity, like, you know, body mass or, like, you know, hair in certain areas <laughs> uh, use your imagination like <laughs> like I still have like a lot of work in undoing like in undoing the emphasis I place on that or like the attraction I have towards that in my personal life um I want to go back to Grinder for a moment because of who I am um <laughs> <laughs> but we've talked in previous episodes when Andreas was on last season about how explicitly a lot of people on Grindr um, make their, like, racial prejudices known. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just want to, like, say that the same is very true for people's aversion to femininity. Like, okay. it's a very common to see in people's bios, like, no femme, not into femme. Etc. Right next to not into black, not into Asian, mm-hmm. etc. Not right. into fat. I mean, there's a lot of things that people explicitly say that they will not tolerate in a partner. Um, right. Yeah. And so my bio on Grinder for a long time has been masculinity ain't a virtue because I just want to signal that if that's like, if you think it is like a virtue, this is not the person you should be messaging. But I do get messages right. from people like fairly like not not infrequently who have like not in, it says in their bio not into femme and they'll message me and I just respond and say I'm femme and I expect that to be the conversation under but very often and I have a thread on Twitter of every time this happens they'll be like well who cares like I don't care and I'm like it's what? in your bio <laughs> like wow. you're like making me feel like unwelcome by like putting that in your bio when in reality like it's something that you are willing to either tolerate or genuinely accept. I don't know. And a lot of times they'll be like, well, I'm just looking to hook up. Like, I wouldn't date a femme guy, but I'd suck his dick or something. And I was like, I'll suck my own dick. Thank you very much. (laughs) Yes. No, I was about to say, any femme guy who gets approached with that, like, like, you have a personal duty to yourself to not suck that guy's dick. And then, if possible consensually have that guy suck your dick like <laughs> like that yeah. that is my one that is offensive to me should we um kind of give some final thoughts on everything we've discussed and where that leaves us as adult gay men or young adult gay men and our relationship to femininity womanhood women i don't know i mean obviously let's state some like obvious facts we're not women number one but we're not straight men 
And I think that our relationship, therefore, to womanhood is not one of complete opposition. So then I guess the question is, how do we define that relationship? Oh, God, this is a really tough question. It's, I think, like, as an effeminate gay man, I do feel the need to, like, draw a line where, like, I very much identify with womanhood. I always have. Like, I've always been, like, more interested in stories, like, about women. um, And I've always identified with those stories more so than most stories we see about, like, young boys or, like, men on television or in books. And, I mean, John, we've had a conversation about how, like, a lot of times, I think as, like, young, like, gay boys, like, we tend to latch on female figures, like, in the media because they are expressing emotions that, like, we've been told, like, that we don't really have another outlet for. Um, Like, whether that be, like, sexual feelings towards men or whether that be, like, emotions outside of this, like, masculine, stoic personality we were supposed to be born with but weren't. Um, so, like, but it's important to, like, draw a line, like, recognize my own male privilege, and, like, I definitely benefit from that in a lot of ways, so I think as, like, some gay men are all victims of, like, a certain form of misogyny, not, like, not, misogyny has, like, many shapes, um, some that affect, like, like, female people, people who identify as women primarily and not gay men who identify with womanhood. Um, That being said, uh, where does this leave us? Um, I don't know. We just have a lot of work to do in undoing, like, the cultural capital of masculinity, Um, and we are all complicit in that in some way as gay men, and I would like to see that be done with. And if you are feminine out there, like you're great, you're killing it, you're fierce, like live your life. Um, And I'm proud of you for being that way. Could not have. Yes. I was just going to say, I could not have said it better myself. Perfect. She tied a nice little bow on it. Love you, Cody. Love you too. Bye. Thanks for listening to Bottoms on Top with myself, John Holmes, and my co-host, Andreas Pavlou. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud. We record in the Wexler Recording Studio at Kelly Writer's House, and we want to give a special thanks to The Daily Pennsylvanian, our producer, Joyce Varma, and Andrew Ellis, who provides our theme music. You can find him on SoundCloud as Dummy Fresh. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or conspiracy theories, feel free to email us at podcasts at thedp.com. We'll see y'all in two weeks.